Welcome back for another week of the Working Fans Podcast. This is AJ. I'm the former wrestler. We've got Dave, the ultimate fan, here with us. As we do every week, our producer, Joe, mate, likes to make us sound good and makes us look way more professional than we actually are. As always, you can find us on Twitter. That's at FansWorking. Facebook, Working Fans Pod. We've got email where you can reach out to us and please contact us to let us know what you think of the podcast and for any ideas that you might have. That's WorkingFansWrestlingPod at gmail.com. We're on Instagram where you can keep up with us at WorkingFansWrestling underscore pod. And then you can now listen to us on all major platforms, including Anchor.fm. We're on Google Podcasts, Spotify, Breaker, Overcast, Pocket Casts, Radio Public, Apple Podcasts, and you can actually check us out on YouTube. Now, it's important when you go onto the Apple Podcasts and YouTube, hit that subscribe button, give us a rating, let us know what you think so you can help us out and we can continue to do what we love and bring you guys in as fans. Halloween everybody and welcome to a special edition of the Working Fans Podcast. On today's episode, we have a collection of horror stories from the first few interviews we've done. We have one from Bob Cook, one from Matt Coon, one from Jay Freddy, one from Jordan Garber. You're really going to enjoy today's episode and we even have a couple from our very own AJ. So sit back and enjoy today's Super Halloween Spooktacular. Hey there, this is AJ from the Working Fans Podcast. I'm coming at you with a couple horror stories real quick for Halloween weekend. We have my first and favorite story that I get to share with people is I was working a tag match. And in this tag match, it was absolutely a nightmare that happened to me. I'm working the tag match. I'm on the heel side. And me and my partner are both about 6'3". Maybe um, he's probably about 270 pounds. At the time, I'm probably about 250. And we're working against a team of faces who are about 5'10 and 5'11". Um, they're the underdogs that are coming over and are going to end up going over in the match. And in the middle of the match for ring psychology, my partner at the time decides that he is going to crawl through the five foot ten gentleman's leg and reach and jump to do the hot tag with me first of all we shouldn't be getting a hot tag as a heel team secondly you're twice the size of this guy and you just crawled through his legs like we're in a three stooges movie to get away from him i was absolutely shocked when i got this tag and to be honest with you i had to improvise a lot in that moment because i was absolutely lost and was not expecting that so that was a nightmare of an evening for me all right, for you Jimmy Snooker fans out there, 
The year is 1997. I'm working a match with Jimmy Snook. I get to the building. I'm still about, I'm about three years into the business at this point. And I was so excited because the promoter comes to me and he says, Hey, AJ, you're going to be working with Snooker tonight. Now, I grew up in the 80s, so obviously huge uh, Jimmy Snooker fan and excited as can be to actually have this match. So I get to the back and I, uh, you know, I can't wait. I'm going to talk over the match with him. We're going to get ready to go. We're going to get things done. I go over to him. He's sitting in the corner and I'm Mr. Snooker. My name's AJ. Thank you very much for giving me the privilege of working with you tonight. Can we go over the match? And he looks at me with a glazed look in his eye, barely able to speak, and doesn't actually respond. So I went away, and I came back to him maybe about an hour later. Now, we're about an hour away from bell time. And, hey, uh, Mr. Snooker, once again, my name's AJ. I appreciate you taking this time and working with me tonight. I can't wait. I'm looking forward to learning from you. And he just looks at me again with a glazed look in his eye. He gets up, walks past me, and goes to the lavatory, goes to the bathroom. So he comes back out of the bathroom a few minutes later, and his eyes are all fired up, and he looks like he just got done eating a powdered donut. I'm not going to go into why. But he looks at me and goes, All right, brother, time to go over the match. And he's got this fired-up look on him. And I'm like, All right, Mr. Snooker, um, what are, what are we going to do in there? He says, Here's what we're going to do. I'm going to chop you a lot. Then you're going to take my flying body cross. And in between there, we'll work it out. I'm like, all right, Mr. Snooker, that sounds delightful. Thank you once again for the privilege to work with you. So we get into the match and we start working the match. And he chopped me close to probably about 50 times during the match. My chest looked like raw hamburger by the time we were done. I, I, I don't think I could have taken another chop. And then the flying body cross that he hit me with off the top rope, probably one of the heaviest moves that I've ever caught in my life. And I've had, and I had a 350 pound man one time do a flying body cross off the top rope. So I would love to share a happy story with you, but for this Halloween evening, there's very few wrestling matches I've ever had as scary as wrestling Jimmy Snuka. One more horror tale for you guys. So I'm wrestling. I'm wrestling for Yankee Pro Wrestling out of New Bedford, Mass. And we're doing the Whaling City Festival. It's an outdoor festival. And it had rained the night before. So you have a ring out in the middle of basically the grass. With a couple mats around the ring. And a little else there. I'm wrestling in this battle royal. And battle royals aren't bad to wrestle for those of you who haven't been in one basically you're you're in there you're still it's a lot of stomping a lot of kicking a lot of punching but i got to wrestle and work in that match with a gentleman named party time juan king party time juan king dressed up literally like he was straight out of new orleans party scene with all the beads and the mardi gras stuff and and generally wasn't normally a bad guy to work with i had worked with him several times but on this day he had apparently decided to drink a shitload of Crown Royal. Hopefully we can get a little push by Crown Royal for advertising, but that's neither here nor there. He um, drank a shitload of Crown Royal and wrestled the match. And at some point in his drunken haze, he decided that it was a good time to juice during this match. So he had um, cut himself a little bit up on the forehead, bladed a little. And as we're doing this, 
in the ring. He comes over to me. He says, grab it. Grab it. Take my head. I'm like, all right. I'll, uh, okay. He says, all right. Uh, bust me open. Uh, we, 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 I'm going to juice. I'm like, all right, Juan. You sure? He's like, yeah, 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 kid. Just do it. Do it. Do it. I'm like, all right. So I start working on his forehead, and I'm hitting him on his forehead, and blood starts squirting out. Now, at that point, he's not happy with the amount of blood that has come yet. Now, granted, I'm telling you, he was bleeding buckets. I don't know if with the alcohol he had also taken aspirin, whatever his trick was, he was bleeding buckets, but he was not happy with the amount of blood that was coming out. So at that point, he's like, all right, head bobby, head bobby, put our heads together. I'm like, uh, okay. So now I'm headbutting him, and he's got a bloody mess everywhere. Now my face is covered with blood, because I just headbutted a man with blood squirting out of his forehead. At that point, he's like, all right, I just want to bleed a little bit more. So at that point, I'm like, all right, I'm getting out of here. So I got to the guy closest to me, because it was my time to exit out of the ring anyways. And I'm like, hey, just get me out of here. And so he clotheslines me over the top. And thank God that was the end of that horror story. But there's a little blood and guts for you on Halloween, kids. Enjoy. If you don't mind us asking, do you have any horror stories from the business? Because quite frankly, we've got Halloween coming up this week and we're going to drop this on uh, Halloween day. And we were trying to put together a special little horror section and we're each adding some of our stories. So if you have any horror stories from the business, please share with us. Yeah, I have a few here. Uh, a few of the horror stories, uh, some examples of some minor horror stories in the business are times when I try to run a podcast and my show won't load or I can't call in. It's always a horror show because you have a consistent audience listening to you and you can't let them down. They're depending on listening to that show. So when something fucks up and it's five minutes, like two or three minutes before the show, like yesterday on Saturday, for example, where my audio cut out during the interview and then my device died in the middle of the interview. I kind of get panicky when I'm learning to relax more to those situations because it's easier to do that than to just overreact. So stuff like that is easy cookie of stuff. Uh, horror stories, big ones are ones where you kind of basically, someone tells you to do something and you make a mistake. So when, if some one of the finishes was a, a horror story, a match here between Jay Walker and Moses Luke, where the finish was, you wrestle for a long time. You're a, you know the finish, they do the, uh, it's like a fireman's carry, like, or, or no, sorry, a military press, but he's on his shoulders instead. Oh, and yeah. then he goes and puts the ball up. And, and then I count to three. Yeah. But the thing is that my counts are consistent. So I was supposed to go, you know, one, two, three, but instead I was like, one, two, and then like, it's like that. So, but there was not good in the locker room. Basically, I, the vet walked in the locker room and he just told, kept on saying, one, two, three, one. He just like got really upset. And I don't blame the guy because referees make or break a match. And the same finish done twice kind of lost the value to the match. And that was on me. So I, I felt terrible. But I kept my mouth shut. I went on to the next show and I did that. Another example of finishes, I like, the thing is with me is, yeah, I watch tapes from 78 and 76 and 74 because I respect the old school aspects about the business. But sometimes I think I'm old school. I'm not. Sometimes I think like I'm an old school kind of podcaster. I, I want to be an old school ref. That's my goal. But I don't know old school as much as others do. I experienced this. So there's a manager, manager for about 20, 30 years. 
long time. And uh, the finish was, this is a common one. This is a little mistake because the finish sounds a little weird, but the manager is holding his legs down and my job was to kind of pin him where his shoulders were so I didn't see him pull his legs down. So I, I counted that as a rope break and that was the finish. So I just declared it, I threw the, like a slight pause and then I was just declared it a draw and the crowd got really, really confused. That was probably one of my bigger ones. Uh, none of the veterans were bad. I was actually more scared of myself with myself because the way I was reacting in the back was terrible. I, I punched a brick wall and I made my own hand bleed. So I, I gave my, I, I took the bump and I took the heat after. Everyone else was fine. They just said he fucked up. They're disappointed. Jordan, I'm gonna. Jordan, I'm gonna let you in. On, I'm gonna let you in on a secret. Brick walls never do the job. <laughs> that's some. That's some, That's something I learned early on. Now, those are great horror stories. I'm going to be honest with you. You have to, when we're young in this business, we have a tendency of putting all the heat on ourselves and we beat ourselves up. And a lot of times it takes a few years to get to a point where you realize that it's a learning curve and that we do need to learn from it. And it does suck in the moment. Don't get me wrong. But like I had a guy who one time I had in a small package and the finish of the match was the referee was counting us down. It was close enough where you're not supposed to be able to tell from a fan's point of view who actually shoulders were down. But the guy who I was working with, we tilted just a little too much, and anybody who was within about 100 yards of the match probably could have seen that my shoulders were literally flat on the mat, and his were nowhere near the mat. And we got a few jeers for that in the back when we got to the back, but it was just one of those instances where you learn from it, and next time going out, we're like, oh crap, because that was an instance where the ref could have broken it and we could have redone the spot in a different way. And instead, we were all young, and we all basically went with it. And the fans were like, well, what the hell just happened? <laughs> so so I understand so what you you're talking about. Crowd, when you lose the crowd, you lose control. Exactly. Uh, no. And that's something that we learn through time. Because when they're disengaged, it's ten times harder to get the fans re-engaged again. Another horror story, actually. Uh, Thunder Bay, Ontario. Mark Merrick. Uh, and I'm sure everyone locally loves him. I'm, I'm just kidding. <laughs> he's one of those untrained Mark guys that sells toys and runs a store. He's a great guy to meet. He's a, as a promoter, he has experience doing that, so I can give him credit with credit to do. I just don't think he should step in the ring as a wrestler because he hasn't trained properly, but he's done it for a long time, so whatever. There's nothing we can do about that. But back to the story. Bill Deadly, Mark Merrick, always count to three. You know, it's always important, that, and that's another thing that I was learning, uh, AJ and yourself is that uh, Tony thanks for tuning in he, he got a shout out as well uh, Tony thanks for tuning in to the Working Fans podcast uh, last night was awesome but basically Mark Merrick Phil Deadly Thunder Bay Ontario finish was you know he wasn't there Mark Merrick had his shoulders down longer I count to three that wasn't the finish and I get heat so instead what happens was hi Taylor what happens instead was they restart the match and then we just go on as usual, same regular spot, same regular finish. But I should never get heat. If, if the wrestler's shoulders are on the ground and I count the three, I'm counting the three. I'm not going to hesitate. I was mad because it was like, I did nothing wrong. And everyone thought I did. And that, that's kind of something where I take it with a grain of salt because I'm young, right? I'm 24. I've, I've been in this business for seven years. But 
I still feel that I make a lot of mistakes. And when I'm in, in, in the ring and doing in-ring work, I'm still very, very green, and I still have a lot and a lot of development to make. I'm not as crafted in my in-ring skills as I would be as a podcaster or on your show. Jordan, so you, that's kind of a thing as well. You are 100% correct. If that wrestler doesn't get his shoulder up, he does not deserve to actually go over in that match. And quite frankly, the ref should make the count because otherwise you're making everybody look like a joke inside that ring. So you did 100% the right thing in that situation. Awesome. Well, I really appreciate that. So much good talent. Like, I was going through YouTube seeing some of your old matches tonight. I think I might have saw one with Elegante or something. Oh, Not trying to pick on Elegante. Oh, I'm just asking. That made me think. Like, who were maybe some of the, like, maybe not so best people to work with at the time? Or maybe a match or you something. Know, you know, he was easy and he was a really nice guy. So he was very likable. And in that regard, you, you don't look at him negatively like a lot of people. Right. Yeah. Because he appreciated what you were doing. He understood that he wasn't there because of his talent. And again, he was just a super nice guy, very quiet, very easy to get along with. The only thing in that match I, I heard, we, he's body slam. If you watch him body slam me, the back of my head hit the tip of his toe on his boot. It was like hitting a curb. Wow. Oh. I was like, what the heck? You know? <laughs> oh. Well, maybe a board popped up in the ring or something. But other than that, he was just a really easy, nice guy. There are other guys like Bill Kazmaier, who I've talked about recently, who was just a complete piece of trash. Huh. He was a horrible human being. He, a miserable human being, like a Bret Hart, you know, where he just went around yeah. thinking the world owed him everything, never happy no matter what he got. And he was just a horrible wrestler, and he was stiff, and he didn't appreciate anything. And he talks bad about wrestling to this day, and people like that. I <laughs> and he, in the words of the uh, Iron Sheik, I'm Pooey. Yeah, well, he's one. He always struck me as one of those guys who came from the powerlifting, world's strongest man of, I'm better than the pro wrestlers, I'm just here to make money, screw these guys. That was always kind of yeah, annoying it, to me. He was definitely there to make money because he had his tackle box filled with, uh, well, anything but tackle. Oh, you know oh God, yeah. Right <laughs> so. between the lines. Anyways, uh, <laughs> he was just, just a miserable person. Oh, God, uh, that has to be a nightmare. A story I like to tell about Big Van Vader, a lot of people think Big, Big Van Vader was this great guy and he wasn't he was one of the biggest jerks i've ever met in my entire life right there with buzz sawyer wow and uh, i've told this story many times but it just it shows people what vader was really all about but most people probably don't want to hear it because they go oh but he could do a moonsault yeah but he couldn't do it without hurting somebody it's a oh. big deal yeah. exactly that's a, well, punch somebody not hurt him that's the art of the business anybody it, can hurt somebody exactly that's uh, the whole point of it is for us to actually make it look like we're killing you, not to actually really kill you. Yeah, and you know, Vader was always hurting guys and always getting told not to hurt guys. Quit hurting guys, darn it, you know? And, and uh, I was there the night he broke that guy's back, Joe Thurman, I was the next oh. match out against the Z-Man who was always easy to work with. And after Vader broke the guy's back, he, he was sitting behind the curtain crying. Oh, and to geez. this day, I, never, I, I don't know if he was crying because he actually finally realized that he went too far or if he was actually going to finally get fired after being threatened with being fired. I yeah. think it was probably the firing part. I mean, even even the stuff that he's famous for doing with Mick Foley in um, WCW, uh, you look at how unsafe he was in uh, power bombs and slams on the concrete, and it's just not safe work. Yeah, but, and that, that's partly Jack's fault, I'm sure. Yeah. Or Vader didn't just... Uh, powerbomb him and then go oh sorry about that i'm sure they agreed to do it but the other stuff that he did over the years i mean he hurt so many guys it's unbelievable not just the jobbers did i say i hate that word yes, yes. he hurt so many guys 
it's not funny. No, especially when you're giving your body to somebody like that. But I can tell you this story. We were in Atlanta. We always used to stay at this hotel in Atlanta, uh, the Ramada, and there was this bar downstairs called the Dungeon. I don't know if that was really the name name of it, but all the guys would be in there and then uh, drink and partake in uh, some illegal activities. Maybe not illegal. Well, maybe illegal, depending on how old the girl was. Whoops. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, you know, us, us losers on TV, because we didn't make as much money as the big stars, obviously. We would buy our booze at the local liquor store, like we'd get a big bottle of vodka, and we'd have our drinks in a the room, then go down to the bar and, you know, do that thing. So we didn't spend money on bar drinks. I understand that. And one night, we're, we're all sitting in our room, where I got our big bottle of, bottle of vodka. We always kept the doors open, because, you know, wander from room to room. And Vader comes in one night, he goes, I'll show you losers how to drink. And he grabbed our, hang on a second, I'm starting to throw up. Uh, hang on. <clears throat> I'm drinking creatine and it's making me cough. Oh, uh, gotcha. But anyways, he comes in our room and he says, I'll show you losers how to drink. And he grabbed our whole bottle of vodka and he guzzled it. Wow. And he passes out on our bed. <laughs> and at that time, he'd been getting in trouble with the office constantly and they told him to stop. And that's why Harley Race was his manager. A lot of people don't know that. Harley was his manager because Vader was afraid of Harley, and he was one of the few guys that could control him to some degree. But every once in a while, like a rabid dog, he would wander off while Harley was sleeping, right? And he's passed out on our bed, so I call Harley at like 3 in the morning, and I'm like, Harley, I hate to bother you, but Vader's passed out on our bed, and he won't get his fat ass up. And he's like, oh, that son of a bitch, blah, 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 you know? <laughs> Harley comes in, and he starts smacking Vader around, and literally, I'm not kidding, he, he grabbed him by the ear, and Vader's here, I'm sorry, Harley, I'm sorry, Harley, crying like a baby. <laughs> and and Harley drags him out of the room by the ear, yelling at him the whole time, I told you, you're going to get fired, you big dummy, blah, 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 and Vader the whole time, I'm sorry, Harley, I'm sorry, Harley. <laughs> wow. This is the Blue Thunder, Jay Freddy, Tokyo, USA, Pro Wrestling, Worldwide, Pro Wrestling, and you are listening to the Working Fans Podcast. Yeah! Oh man, um, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I mean, obviously, like being on the road, you you see a lot of interesting stuff. You meet a lot of interesting people. Not really a horror story, but like it was kind of like maybe horrific or more sad, if anything. Like I was, I was on that show in Fall River, Massachusetts, when that whole Scott Hall incident happened. And it was just kind of like, oh, you know, like he's you felt for the guy, you know, that's, and then when ESPN did that whole special, you know what I mean? I was right. like, man, I, was, I remember being, I, we were the match after that, you know, Ooh. and then you, and then you, you just see, like, the guy who was just in rough shape at the time, and you wish him well, I was like, oh, man, you know, like, this is, and then the fact that they were still going in the ring and, you know, doing the whole segment, it was like, oh, he's in no shape to do this, you know, like, this is actually happening, you know, and then, wow. it, yeah, so, like, that, that's definitely, like, one that comes to mind. I mean, obviously you have your horror stories of driving down the road and then your tire pops, you know, and then you're sitting there. And me being fortunate, and that's right here, a lot of the guys call me like, like, man, like, Jay Frank, you're kind of like a working man. Like, you're like a man's man. Mm-hmm. Like, I was, you know, taught, like, how to, like, change tires, change brakes, you know, like, change my own oil, like, build stuff, you know? So, like, we, of course, like, we'd be on the road, like, we blew a like, up one, you got the bomb, all right, let me change it, you know, or I'll change the tire real quick, you know, or, like, those are horror stories that always happen, you know, but, like, as far as, like, being, like, something that was just visually, like, scary and kind of sad was the, the Scott Hall thing, 
Yeah, that was right at the PAL Hall in Massachusetts. It was like, oh, this is actually happening. This is sad. Yeah, that's got to be rough, man. Now, how hard is it to win the crowd back after a situation like that? Because I imagine you must have had an odd energy in the room. It, it was, because like, you, you, you're the locker room, and you're watching this on the monitor, and you're just kind of like, it's, it not only sucked the air out of like the building, the, the, where the fans are, it sucked the air out of the locker room. You, know? you, you see a guy, you know, like, was on top of the mountain and then like it it's like and then you see like the promotion kind of going through with this and it's like ugh, like where do we like what do we do now you know like say that was the exact moment and luckily it was, it was a multi-band match and actually uh tomaso shampoo was in the match as well huh. so, yeah it's funny because like if you look at that old top row promotions locker room like it was literally like a who's doing there because a lot of the new england guys were signed like that locker room was legit like mike bennett biff busick uh, Only Lorcan on WWE, uh, you know, Tommaso Ciampa, Adam Cole would come in and do shows. You know, like I was not, I mean, I'm not anywhere near those guys, you know, as far as they're more business, but I was there, you know, like it's a lot of guys, like like um, Vinny Marsilio, Matt Taven, you know, like TK O'Ryan, like a lot, like Warbeard Hansen, you know, Brian Malonis, like, like all in that one area. Like I said, like I think a few of them were on the show. Like it was so long ago, but yeah, like that whole we had to go out there and basically work our tails off to you know to get the show back. You know, especially for like to have me up for the main event that night. You know, so there's definitely a moment where it's like, all right, we gotta go out there and work to get them back. Now, Matt, with Halloween coming up, we have a horror story themed episode coming out Thursday. Do you have any horror stories from dealing with the wrestling biz, or has it all been pretty easy on your part? It's not easy, man. Like, there's a couple, I mean, without using names, like, there are people that are trying to work you at all times. In the room, mm. As, you know, you would know. Um, oh, yeah. Um, the, you know, and there's always people trying to work you. So you have to be alert to that. The culture of ribs is really strange to me. Just playing practice jokes, like I didn't get it. And I would say the biggest horror story, because I didn't get it, like I didn't get it at all, is Conrad and Bruce at the Gramercy Theater in New York leading a crowd in a fuck that tune chant. And it was literally after I'd worked like 12 hours straight on their show and I drove straight up and I made one mistake on the show and like they were just killing me from the stage i didn't realize what that was and i was pissed off about it like i was like fuck these guys you know and and, and conrad especially can be just brutal on a level you can't even imagine hmm. and bruce too and it was something i didn't really understand um the other thing that made it a little more story is some of these wrestlers want you to be at their beck and call because they're, they, they're superstars in their mind and I can't be anybody's beck and call person and that's been a nightmare sometimes is dealing with you know diva type personalities and that kind of thing but overall wrestlers are great and wrestling fans are even better awesome all right, happy Halloween, Working Fan Podcast fans. We are celebrating the spooky side of wrestling right now and with some horror stories from a little bit of my life in the world of wrestling. One of the horror stories comes from a match where I was working at a tag match, and the guy across the ring's name was Lee Smith. I still remember him. He was probably about 6'1", maybe 200 pounds. Get fucked, Lee. Yeah, yeah you fat bastard. 
He was a working class wrestler and tremendous guy of all of about 57 years old. So here I am, and I'm all of about 19, maybe 20 years old at the time that we're wrestling. My partner's in his mid-20s. He's a jacked up guy, probably about 245, 5'10". He hopes. Yeah. (laughs) So we're wrestling through this match, and I'm in the corner, and I didn't have a great sight of it. Mm -hmm. But all of a sudden, I hear what almost sounds like a tree limb snapping. And I hear my partner go, oh, fuck. (laughs) He had hooked an arm bar on him, and when he hooked the arm bar on him, he tweaked it just a little too much and broke Lee Smith's arm. Uh. So Lee Smith's arm, all I see is the bottom, the part up by the wrist and the forearm, and I see it like dangling through his arm. Mm. I can't see the other side of the arm, but I literally see it just bending at a 45 degree angle. Are we talking like Sid's leg? Uh, after we're talking like it? Sid's leg. Uh. We're talking about. He could have patted himself on the back with this thing. The white meat. Very horrible. It, it was one of the most horrific things I've ever seen. Mm. And now the part about this that's amazing mm-hmm. is the referee looks over at me, looks back to my partner and says, we should take this home. <laughs> right. <laughs> Where both sitting there going, no shit. Yeah. <laughs> We could, we could stop this now if yeah, we wanted. Yeah, maybe we should call a paramedic too, dumbass. <laughs> Another horror story. Now, this one's a little bit different because this one's just disgusting. Mm, everybody's, trash. Uh, well, everybody's heard the Ric Flair shit your pants story. Yeah. Where, with the Brown and the Tommy Young. CM Punk. Some good ones out CM there. CM Punk. Sid. I'm wrestling in a match. I'm down in Plant City, Florida. Now, the Plant City, Florida, you remember, Dave, is known for wrestlers... They were cutting edge on their names. Yeah, like the Hitman. The Hitman. The Sting. Exactly. Yeah. That's, uh, they would basically put the in front of these WWE right. names or WCW Try to names. attract people. Yeah. Exactly. Right. So, yeah. So, so they were pretty much uh, cheating on all aspects. These guys were carnies. Now, I'll be honest with you. I don't remember the guy's name that I was wrestling because it's been over 20-something years. But he, before the match, he, he's, we're talking about the match, and he says... And he's going over, and he says, my high spot is basically he does what um, Ricky Steamboat does, where you do the crossbody off the top rope. Sure. So that's the end of the match. I'm going to catch him doing that, and we're going to go backwards, and he's going to pin me. So he comes off the top rope. I catch him, mm. and when I catch him, my hand is on his ass, uh. and all I feel is warmth. Uh. Literally, Nasty. shit is coming through his pants onto my hand. God. So I'm sitting there for three seconds with my hand covered in shit. It is the most disgusting. Now, I have children. I have a daughter. I have changed diapers. That's later in life. You weren't ready for this. I was not ready at 20 years old to catch a full-grown man's shit in my hand. Mm. That's uh, I, Did you go back? Did you drop one? What happened? When we got to the back, uh, first thing I did was wash my hand. Sure. Then I came out, and he tried to come over to apologize to me, and he got a very strong forearm across uh-huh. his jaw uh-huh. And as I pushed him out of the way. I told him, I said, give me a few minutes. I'm going to forget about this. But as he came close to me, he's literally coming up to mm. me to apologize. Mm. First of all, the motherfucker's disgusting. He still hasn't changed his goddamn shorts, and he's coming over to me to apologize. Mm. He cares. I yeah. mean, you might have been a little bit of the wrong here. He cares more stuff. about apologizing yeah. than a clean but, ass. But you yeah. want to talk about horror stories. Mm. No no grown man should ever shit on another mm. man's hand. And if well. that's what you're into, 
I'm sorry. Some places you might pay for that. Yeah, I was oh. going to say, unless you pay for it. One horror story from my childhood. Right. Dave, you might remember this because we're basically about the same age. I'm, yeah. He'll point out that I'm six months older than him. That's fine. Oh, fuck. Oh, man. So I'm in second grade. Here comes the teacher bringing a television, rolling it in on the old car. You know the old carts they used to have on oh, TV? Yeah. They, yeah, yeah, the yeah, television. Yeah. they roll the television into the room. This is 1986. They roll the television into the room. The teacher is all proud. She's looking at us. Mm. She's like, we're going to watch something special today. I think I know where you're going with this. She's like, I am so proud of this person. <laughs> Makes women look great. She was a teacher. Now she's going to be an astronaut. So she's about to actually be the first actual non-astronaut teacher. They're sending her up on the space shuttle, and they're just bragging about women's lib, and they're all excited. I was watching this at home, by the yes. way. Oh, yeah. So, so here I am, and I'm watching this, and two seconds into liftoff, all of a sudden it's going up, and it, the space shuttle explodes. Yeah. Our teacher had us watch death in yeah. front of us. In second grade. That was the challenger, baby. Yeah, the yeah. challenger. So it wasn't Ron Garvin going up no, like the challenger. No, no, it was the actual challenger. <laughs> the actual challenger. So now millions the of shoot kids. challenger. And, and I bet you millions of us children actually have this same memory of the teachers doing this. And my problem is, is I've always had this fucked up mind. As you guys know who talk to me on a regular basis, my mind doesn't work quite like other people's. We edit a lot out. Yeah. So, so because the teacher. This fucker's nasty. So... <laughs> So because the teacher had actually been bragging about this woman running the space shuttle, all I could think as the thing's exploding is, my dad was right, you shouldn't let women drive. <laughs> <laughs> but guys, that's it for our horror stories. I hope you enjoyed them as much as we did. That's it for your horror stories. <laughs> we got more coming up. All right, so that wraps us up for this week. Thank you again for listening to the Working Fans Podcast. So as always, you can find us on Twitter at Fans Working. Our Facebook page is Working Fans Wrestling Pod. We have email where you can reach out to us and let us know what you think also. That's WorkingFansWrestlingPod at gmail.com. Follow us on Instagram, WorkingFansWrestling underscore pod. And then as always, please continue to listen to us on Anchor.fm, Google Podcast, Spotify, Breaker, Overcast, Pocket Cast, Radio Public, all your major platforms. If you're following us on Apple Podcasts, which we are also on now, and YouTube, please make sure you subscribe and give us a five-star rating. It helps us bring you these podcasts where we get to talk to you and talk with you every week. 